Hey, this morning we're starting a new series. Uh, it's a four-week series called Staying in Love. This series originated uh, a few years ago at North Point Church in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, Andy Stanley is the lead pastor there. This is a great series on love and relationships. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to uh, do something where we're going to have two weeks. Uh, our, uh, is, the message is going to be via video, and Andy is going to teach us. And two weeks, Steve, your campus pastor, will be teaching. So this week, week one, is actually a video by Andy. Um, now, I had the... <laughs> I had the unique privilege of meeting Andy Stanley once in a men's restroom in Florida. It was a very odd encounter. I step up to the sink to wash my hands, and uh, I look to my right, and up a, uh, up a gentleman steps up to the other sink next to me, and uh, it's Andy Stanley. And I look up, I make eye contact with him, I go, hey, Andy. He looks at me and says hi, and he uh, introduces himself and asks me where, what my name and where I'm from, and he pulls out a handbag, you know, like a men's toiletry bag, you know. And he opens it up, and he pulls out a couple things. He starts putting makeup on. And uh, I I grin, looking at him. He looks at me and grins like, yeah, you're going to tell a lot of people you saw Andy Stanley putting makeup on, aren't you? Like, yeah, yes, I am. And uh, so Andy was about to speak at that conference, and uh, that's one of the things I think speakers do from time to time. But uh, Andy is a fantastic teacher. He's an incredible teacher. He takes big subjects and makes them very simple. And uh, I think you're going to love his teaching today. Now, if you've never been here when we've done video teaching, I'll just give you a simple uh, tip. Just enjoy this as if it was uh, Andy were here live. And so when he says something funny, which he'll do a number of times because he's very funny, uh, feel free to laugh, feel free to engage, feel free to respond and interact uh, with his teaching as you would with any of our teachings. So, Let's listen up as Andy kicks off our series, Staying in Love. I'm always a little bit hesitant to mention movies and messages because it sounds like I'm endorsing movies or telling everybody to go see a movie. And there's usually something great about every movie, and there's usually something not so great about every movie. But because you're such a mature audience, I thought I would uh, kind of branch out and ask you this anyway. How many of you have seen the movie Juno? Oh, good. Okay. How many of you have not seen it? Oh, okay. Now... Third question, how many of you who have not seen it plan to see it? Okay, good, not many, because I'm about to ruin it for you. Okay, <laughs> just wanted to make sure how many emails I'll get, movie spoiled. Anyway, this won't ruin it. This will, this will make, you, make you want to see the movie. It's a, the story, as you probably know, even if you haven't seen it, about a teenage girl who gets pregnant, um, and she is... Um, then she has to decide what to do. So she just, you know, she goes to an abortion clinic and that's our family planning or whatever they call it. And that's not the route she wants to go. She lives with her father and her stepmother. Parents are divorced and um, in a kind of middle-class, not so wonderful neighborhood environment. Um, she decides to keep the baby. I mean, she, she decides to have the baby and to give it up for adoption. And then so she meets this couple and then the couple, she finds out that they're having trouble. So her relationship with this guy who wasn't really a boyfriend is kind of a disaster. Her parents' marriage, we don't know much about it, it's kind of been a disaster. Now there's this couple who is going to adopt her baby, and their marriage or relationship is kind of a, a disaster. And so there's this tender, tender conversation about two-thirds of the way through the movie with their dad. And I'll actually watch the movie on the treadmill. It's not a great treadmill movie because nothing explodes or blows up or anything. So it's a lot of conversation, you know. No need for surround sound with Juno. But during, she has this conversation with her dad. And in the movie, her dad is wonderful. He just, 
you know, it's a movie. So you, when she tells her dad she's pregnant, you're thinking, oh my gosh, here it comes, here it comes. But he's just, he's great. And so they have this very tender conversation. And in the conversation, she asks a question that I think is so profound that it just, you know, I, I just stopped. I thought, that is a great question. And the context from which she asks it makes it a great question. But I think it's a question every single adult or every single college student and probably not high school student from college on, all of us have either asked this question or we're going to ask this question. And you may not ask it the way that Juno asked it, but I just think this is a profoundly important question that sort of sits on the surface of our culture every single day for, for most of us. And, and, and here's the question. She asked it in two different ways, and we're going to put this up on the screen. Here's what she said. She's talking to her dad. It's just the two of them. She says, I guess I wonder sometimes if people ever stay together for good, like people in love. Did she ask it this way? Dad, I just need to know that it's possible for two people to stay happy together forever. I just need to know, is it possible for two people to stay happy together forever? In other words, dad, I'm looking around and it didn't work out for you and mom. Dad, I'm looking around and here's this couple, it ain't working for them, it's not working for me. I look around and I'm just wondering, am I kidding myself? Am I shooting for something that you know, no one ever reaches? Is, is, this, is it even possible? Should I even set my mind to finding someone and being in love and staying happy together forever? Dad, is it even possible? I think it, for all of us at some juncture in our lives, we ask that question. And it's such a fascinating question because in spite of what you've seen, and probably most of what you've seen relationally would lead you to say, I don't know if it's possible. In spite of the, you know, the state of your current marriage, in spite of what you experienced in your previous marriage, in spite of what you saw happen with your parents' marriage, in spite of what you see in culture, in spite of the divorce rate, you know, all the stuff that would, you know, make us say, I don't think it's possible, I don't think it's possible, I don't see it happening, you know, I don't know any good examples of that or very many good examples in our generation. In spite of that, there's something in you and there's something in me that would still say it's possible. And not only do we think it's possible, you think and I think it's possible for us. We think it's possible. That in spite of how bad things have been for you, or in spite of what you see happening in culture, you still hold out a glimmer of hope that, yeah, maybe someday, some way in my current relationship or a future relationship, I'm going to meet somebody and we're going to fall in love and we're going to stay in love and we're going to go out together. I mean, our, our last dates, we're going to may both be on walkers and we may be going down the hall to the, you know, the place where everybody eats at the nursing home, but baby, we're sitting next to each other and we're holding hands. You know, they may, may, may be shaking, but we are holding hands and people are going to look at us and go, wow, look how old they are and they're still in love. And you think that that might be, might be, might be a possibility for you in spite of what culture says and in spite of what we've experienced. And you know what I think that is? And this, I don't have a verse for this. This is just my opinion. I think that's a little bit of the image of God in you and the image of God in me. That yeah, I got four good friends or five good buddies or you know, I got some tennis partners and I've got some friends and I've got some you know, family. But there's something in me and there's something in you probably 
that would love to find that one someone special that I mean you there there's an intimacy level there's a communication level there's a I know you and you know me and and even as we get old and even as our bodies change and even as the world changes around us and even though you're not the richest or the cutest or the prettiest or the most talented and even there you know I can be tempted to compare there's there's just a thing and we're gonna we're gonna finish together so your answer to the Juno question is yeah I think it's possible But yeah, even though it's possible, I don't think it's probable. I think it's possible, and I even think it's possible for me. But will it happen? I hope so. I think it could, but I don't know. Now, we need to spend about 10 seconds talking about falling in love, and that's all it really requires is 10 seconds. (laughs) Because the only requirement for falling in love is a pulse, right? (laughs) I mean, if you have a pulse... You can fall in love. Some of you are in love with people you've never met. They're on TV and you're just in love. You just stare at him. You say, I'm so in love with him. I'm so in love with her. I mean, you know, she reads the news and you're in love with her, you know. You, so anyway, so it just doesn't, in fact, as we've already talked about, there are 1,500 organizations in this country, 1,500, that if you pay them your money and give them a profile, they will connect you with somebody with a similar profile. It is, it is and you may not believe this, it has never been easier to fall in love. There, it has never been easier to connect with a broader number of people because of, uh, of media and because of social networking. It has never been easier to fall in love, but I would argue, and I bet you would agree, it's never been more difficult to stay in love. And yet that's what we want. And we ha- somehow think it's possible. And we keep looking around thinking maybe we're going to find the one because there's something in you and there's something in me that wants to finish life and do life with that special someone. We don't want to just be in a relationship. We don't want to just survive the years. We want to be in love. But it's getting more and more difficult. And there's several reasons why it's so difficult. And th- th- none of this is new information. Part of it's what you saw growing up, right? Part of it's what you experienced. The truth is very few people have ever been around a healthy, romantic, you know, marriage couple relationship. Most people have never seen one. I mean, seen one like tracked with it over a period of years, having grown up in a home where your parents, you know, were on the same page and had the kind of relationship you wanted to have one day. Very few people have ever even seen it. So consequently, what's modeled for us and the law of relationship and the rules of relationship are so wrong, and yet they're the very ones we adopt that it makes it almost impossible for us to stay in love. I mean, here's what a lot of you, a lot of us grew up with, do unto others as they deserve to be done unto, right? Do unto others as they do unto you. Isn't that it? Do unto others as your mood would have it. Do unto others, to get, do unto others so as to get them to see things your way. Do unto others until you wear them down and get your way. Do unto others until you're ready to leave. I mean, as you think about the relationships you've tracked with either your friends in the office or your cousins or maybe even your parents or, you know, you know when we look at relationships, you know, people may stay together. But they're not in love, you, would, you, you assume. They're, they're not what you want. It, it's just, they're just kind of surviving if they even stay together at all. So consequently, because of what most of us see growing up and what most of us have had modeled for us, I mean, we're just completely ill-equipped. We've never seen one. And yet, all of us think one's possible. And we think we're candidates for that kind of relationship. The other thing that makes it poss- difficult is what we felt growing up. Now, 
um, a bunch of smart guys got together, men and women actually, and they came up with a list. This is kind of overwhelming. A list of what it takes for a child to grow up in, in a very, very um, nurturing environment and to leave adolescence and to be equipped to engage in healthy relationships in the future. In other words, here's what it would take to be fully emotionally, and we're gonna, in two weeks we're going to talk about emotions specifically as so I hang in there, to be emotionally equipped to engage in long-term relationship. Here's, here's all it takes. You need to grow up in a home where you get respect, and, and this is like massive doses of all of this. Respect, encouragement, comfort, security, support, acceptance, approval, appreciation, attention, and affection. Sounds like the family you grew up in, doesn't it? You get constant respect, encouragement, comfort, security. Everybody's there, nobody's leaving. Support, acceptance, approval, appreciation, attention, and affection. <laughs> now, if that's what it takes over a long period of time to equip us to engage in long-term relationships as an adult, I mean, if that's what we felt, if that's what we need to have felt growing up, I mean, what are the odds of us being able to maintain a forever and happily ever after kind of relationship, especially when we connect with and meet people who didn't grow up getting that kind of stuff either? So consequently, what happens for most of us is we come into adulthood looking for someone from which we can get respect, encouragement, comfort, security, support, acceptance, approval, appreciation, attention, and affection. And I fall in love with you, but now that we're both in love with each other, I'm wondering, are you going to give me respect, encouragement, comfort, security, support, acceptance, approval, appreciation, attention, and affection, or are you just cute? <laughs> or do you just have a good job? Because once we're in love with each other, what begins as a hug around the neck becomes a stranglehold. Give me affection, comfort, security, love. You know, I, I got to have it. I got to have it because I came into this thing with a deficit. You know, I've been malnutritioned in terms of love and affection and all that stuff. And I'm going to squeeze it out of you and you're going to squeeze it out of me. And I just wonder why I don't think you're so cute anymore. <laughs> and that car, so what, you know? And all of a sudden, the things that just, you know, created this emotional energy where we couldn't stay away from each other, somehow it starts to go away. Part of what makes it so hard is what we have felt and haven't felt. And here's a, just a disturbing statistic. And this has been true for years. This is this year's statistic, but it's been this way for years. 40%, 40% of the children born in this country this year will be born into homes where there's no dad. 40%. There will be no stable male influence at all, 40%. Now, we can argue all day long about single moms and nurturing and all that stuff, and I'm not here to try to, to, to make a statement. I'm just telling you. If it takes all of that to equip someone to engage relationally and stay engaged relationally and be a healthy relationship, and 40% of the babies born in our country will never have a meaningful relationship with their father at all, I'm just telling you, they're going to struggle there's a deficit, and it's not their fault any more than it's probably your fault. But it's the reality. And yet, you're equipped to fall in love. But I think in terms of what's been modeled and what we have felt, many of us are not equipped to stay in love. And then there's another thing that makes this really, really difficult. Our culture, and you know this, none of this is new information. Our culture has a really low th threshold of pain relationally. A really low relational threshold for pain of pain, which means it doesn't have to hurt too bad. And we just decide, decide to get out, right? Gone are the days where I said I do and I do means I do. And I'm going to keep doing whether I like it or not. And whether she or he likes it or not, we're just doing where we, I do and we're, we do. That's what we do. <laughs> that day's gone, right? That it just doesn't take a lot of pain. And plus in our culture, the message you and I get every single day, and, and maybe this, you think this is true. And you know, we can talk about that later. 
The, the message we get every single day is if you're not happy in your current relationship, it's because you're with the wrong person. You chose poorly. You need to rechoose. You need to reboot. You need to get out. You need to start over because you chose poorly. And if you'll just keep looking, you'll find that soulmate. And if you'll keep moving from relationship to relationship, eventually, eventually it's going to happen to you because you're finally going to meet the right person. But if you talk to people who've been married 20 years plus, who are still in love, and ask them about that approach, they will tell you there were times along the way these 20 years that I wondered if I had the right person. But I decided that the person I chose was going to be the right person. And we're so glad we worked through those difficulties because choosing the right person is part of it. But learning to be and to become the right person is the other part of it. And it's the part of it that we get no help from, no help for, I should say, from culture and from the world around us. Now, you know, so if we just stop there, odds are, you know, you may want to finish with somebody and you may want to stay in love forever. And you may want your current relationship to, you know, become more about in love than just surviving life. You, you, you may want it to be that way. But I'm telling you, the odds are against you. The odds are against me. It may be possible. It is not probable. Aren't you glad we don't close in prayer there? <laughs> Send you home encouraged. Now, here's, here's, here's the thing. Look up here. This is, this, is, this is so important, okay? This is so important. Into that chaos that all of us can relate to. I mean, we've all been dinged up and hurt and got stories, whether it's your parents or your previous marriage or you're watching one of your kids go through something. Into all of that chaos, Jesus speaks 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, he's with his guys, and he gives us the foundation for enduring relationships. He gives us the foundation for enduring love relationships. I think it's the, the, the foundation for enduring romantic love in love. Can't wait to get home in the afternoon. Can't wait to hear the garage door open, you know, kind of relationships. And it's so simple. It's so counterintuitive. It's so not a part of the way we normally think. It is a paradigm shift. It's, re, you know, it's readjusting north on your relational compass. It, but it's so simple that even when I say it, it's kind of like, ooh, yeah, 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 I heard that before. Now, give me something rich. Give me something practical. Andy, I've got her here. Now, come on, work on her. Come on, she's here, buddy. Here, this is your big chance, okay? She didn't want to come because she's, you know, but come on, come on, come on, come on. Die, you know, I got him here, you know. I'm he told me to bring the CD home. I'm bringing the CD home. So you got to, this is it, you know. We're hanging by a thread. I'm telling you, but, but again, don't take my word for it. Just find the people, if you can find them who you look at their marriage and you go, that's where I want to be when I'm that age. That's, where I, that's what I want going on in my relationship next time I have one or in my current relationship. And here's what you're going to find. This is so simple. It's so powerful. It's so rare. It's so accessible. It's so available. If two people will simply accept this basic, basic teaching of Jesus. This is in John Chapter 13, verse 34. We're just looking at one verse from Jesus. And one more verse in just a minute. Here's what he says. He's got his guys together. And he says, a new command I give you. There was guys, you got the Ten Commandments. And you got 700 other, you know, Old Testament laws to support the Ten Commandments. I'm going to give you a new one. And when I tell you what it is, it's not even really that new. And the little Greek word for new can mean other things. And I'm wondering if maybe it means something else. Because the word can mean extraordinary. 
It can also mean hidden and, and recently discovered. It can mean remarkable. Maybe I'm gonna, he's saying, I'm going to give you a remarkable command. It's so remarkable that you're going to be unimpressed, but if you sit on it for a while, you'll realize this is a remarkable command. And here's his command. Love one another. Oh, man, Andy, you should have studied harder. Is that it? <laughs> but listen to what Jesus does, and it'll slip right by you if you're not careful. Jesus takes a word that we normally use as a noun, and he makes it a verb. It's an imperative. It's a command. He says, look, look guys, here's the deal. I want you to go and love one another. I know love is something you fall into like a pool and out of like a high chair. I mean, I realize love is like a noun, okay? But I'm making it a verb. I want you to love one another, which means Jesus would not have been a very good marriage counselor, probably, or a relationship counselor, or a couple counselor, because you would have gone to him and said, she does this, and she does that, and she does this, and she does that. And Jesus would look at you and say, well, are you loving her? Well, I used to. No, 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 you don't used to. You used to noun. You don't use the verb. Are you loving her? Well, so here's what I want, here's what I want y'all to do. I'm going to fix your relationship. I want you and I want you, I want y'all to go home and I want you to love each other. But we don't love each other. Well, you ought to, you're married, but we don't. No, no, no. You're confusing noun and verb. You're saying you're not feeling it. I want, I want to help you feel it. You got to do it. And then you feel it. You see your relationship started off feeling it, you know, and then the feeling went away and you're trying to get the feeling back and you're thinking the only way to get the feeling back is to meet somebody new because let's say, when did I feel the most in love? Oh, when I met that new person, I think I'll go meet a new person to get the feeling back. Jesus says, no, Here, here's how it works. If you want to maintain it, if you want to foster it, if you want to, you know, blow on that flame, then you need to quit treating love like a noun and you need to treat it like a verb. And I want you to go home and I want you to love one another. See, here's kind of the bottom line. This is the, just the beginning. We're four weeks going. Okay, this is just the beginning. The foundation, the foundation for staying in love is to make love. Pause. A verb. <laughs> but now you'll remember it, right? Let's, in fact, let's just, let's just say that together because it's just fun to say in church, Okay. Really, the, founda the foundation for long-term in-love relationship is making love a verb. You've got to make love a verb. And you, the, the goal isn't to recapture a feeling. Listen, in the relationship, the feeling is the caboose of the train. It ain't the engine. It starts off as the engine. I understand that. But then it goes to the back of the train. It becomes the caboose. In fact, I'll tell you something I'm not going to tell anybody else. And I don't want this to leave the room, okay? <laughs> The more you make love a verb, the more you'll make love. But you didn't hear that from me, okay? Now, <laughs> here's what he says. He says, I want, you to, I want you to learn how to actively love one another. This is love is something you do. And when two people who at some point have been in love or who are in love, when they, and we're going to talk for four weeks, so don't say, hey, tell me what to do. We're going to get there. When they actively love one another, guess what it does? It rekindles and continues to kindle and inflame and, and, and enrich and make better the in love part of the relationship. But you have to love one another. It's a command, love one another. But he doesn't stop there. And maybe this is the new part of the command. Listen to the rest of the verse. New command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, 
so you must love one another. In other words, he says, I don't want you to take your cue from culture. Although there's some things that can be redeemed from culture relationally. It's not all bad. I don't want you to necessarily take your cue from your parents. I mean, they have, may have survived. But if you look at their relationship and they just, you know, finally dad moved upstairs and they've got two kitchens and they're in the same house. But I mean, they, he'd rather go on vacation with, you know, the dog than take your mom. And, you know, it's, they're together. They're together. But it's not what you want. It's going, maybe you don't need to take your cue from your parents about what it means to love one another. And maybe you shouldn't take your cue from your, you know, your parents-in-law or your fiance's parents or, you know, this person you're in love with's parents. I mean, I don't know where you take your cues from, but Jesus says, for sure, for sure. When you think about what does it mean to love like a verb, I want you to take your cue from me. And if you'll allow me to, I will teach you how to love, not how to be in love. You've got a pulse. You're good. I want to teach you how to stay in love. But if it's going to happen, love must be a verb, not just a noun. To stay in love, you've got to make love a verb. Now, okay, with you, tracking with you. Later on, years later, the apostle Paul comes along, takes the same idea and says it in a different way, except he uses a bad word. I mean, this is, this is bad words, a word we don't like. He uses a word that's actually gotten Christians in a lot of trouble, but it's unnecessary because the word is so offensive that we kind of discount everything he says about this. But the Apostle Paul takes the very idea Jesus said, and he just uses a different word than love, and it's a word that sticks a little harder and is a little bit more of a, oh, I don't know about that, but I'm telling you, it's the very same thing, and it's an extraordinarily powerful word that helps illustrate what Jesus meant when he said love one another. Here's how the Apostle Paul said it. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Just going to look at this, this verse. Ephesians 5, 21. Here's what he said. Ready for, here it starts off with the bad word. Submit to one another. And then here's the Jesus part again. Out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You know what that means? It's the same as love one another, except it just got, it got a barb on it. And, and here's what it means. Paul said, and then right after this, we're not going to look at it today. Right after this, Paul begins to talk about men and women's relationship and husbands and wives. He goes right into it. He says the bottom line, the foundation, the starting block for people who are going to stay in love is mutual submission. Mutual submission. Mutual submission means I say, you know what? In our relationship, you're the priority. And you say, no, no, Andy, in our relationship, you're the priority. I go, no, no, no. In our relationship, you're the priority. No, Gomer, you know, you're the priority. No, Luann, you know, you're the priority. In other words, the big conflict in the relationship is who's going to be first, who's going to take priority. And, you know, I'm saying it's you and you're saying it's me. That's mutual submission. Let me just tell you, I don't know if you've ever seen that in a marriage. I don't know if you've ever seen that between a man and a woman or between people in love. But I want to tell you something. When you see it, it's powerful. It is rare because it's scary because somebody has to go first. Somebody has to say, you know what? You're the priority in this relationship. And even if you don't make me the priority, I'm making you the priority in the relationship. When two people get that going on, I'm telling you, love is alive and well in that relationship. It's so rare. Very few of us listening to this message have ever seen it. But when you see it, you go, that is what I want. Paul says, this is what Jesus was talking about. Mutual submission. You first. No, you first. No, you first. No, you. Now, you may never go in the building because you'll be holding the door for the rest of your life, but it's okay. You first. No, you first. No, you. Now, we're going we're gonna to talk about this a lot in the next few weeks, but that's the, that's the beginning. That's the foundation. Love actively verb one another. 
Specifically, submit. Submit means you place yourself under the other person, not because by birth order or by you know, financial status or you know, some other caste system, you're not as important. That's not it at all, at all as we're going to see next week. It's a choice you make. It's a choice you make. It's a decision you make, regardless of who I am and what I had and what I brought into the marriage and who I'm related to and whatever else. I am choosing to place myself under you as you choose to place yourself under me. You say, Andy, that doesn't even make sense. I know it doesn't really make sense, but I'm telling you what, when you experience it, when you see it, when you watch one of those, when you get into one of those, that's the foundation for staying in love. Not simply staying married, staying in love. Love one another. Jesus says, ah, there's a caveat, as I've loved you. Got to pay attention to that. Submit to one another. Ah, there's more. I'll submit to one another for Christ's sake. In other words, I want you to learn to love. I want you to begin to submit, and I want you to take your cue from me. Now, let me tell you one of the greatest things in the world about being a pastor, especially to be able to stay in the same community all these years like I've been able to. And I've been around here since the late 80s and, and just know several generations of, of families, and it's just so wonderful. One of the most awesome things somebody in my profession gets to see is a man who grows up in a home that we would consider highly dysfunctional in terms of relationship, a woman who grows up in a home that just, you know, just never seen what we're talking about today, and they become Christians, and they place their faith in Christ, and they surrender their will to the will of God and say, God, I want what you want for me more than I want for what I want for me. And they learn to accept and adopt Jesus' way of thinking about love. And they learn to experience the love of Christ and the forgiveness of Christ. And they have a complete mental shift in terms of what it means to love and to receive and to accept love. And they begin to see themselves in a completely different way. And all that stuff I gave you in the list that they didn't get from mom and dad necessarily or from their grandparents and all the things that have been taken from them emotionally, they begin to be healed and they begin to understand that God accepts them and God has compassion for them and God gives them security and they begin to change on the inside and then they meet and they come together with all this junk in their background but with a completely different way of viewing relationships than the previous generations and they get married and their marriage in no way reflects the baggage that you would expect to see in that marriage and you say wow how did that happen the odds are you wouldn't last three years much less 10 or 15 or 20 years the odds are with everything in your background, what you saw modeled, what was taken away from you emotionally, what culture says, the odds of your marriage surviving are just almost zero. And you scratch below the surface and they say, you know what it is? Is that we've learned to love each other, but not the way we've seen love modeled. We've learned to love each other the way that we understand that God through Christ loves us. And even though the odds were against us, and the odds are against us, we're taking our cue from our Heavenly Father in Heaven who illustrated love in the most amazing way when He gave His Son to die and to be our Savior. That in learning to submit to one another, we take our submission cues from our Savior who submitted to us when He gave up His life on our behalf. And we're not just married, and we're not just together. We are genuinely in love. Is it possible for two people to fall in love and stay in love forever? Absolutely. 
But it doesn't happen because you fell in love in a big, powerful way at the early part of the relationship. You stay in love by making love a verb, by loving one another and taking your cue for loving one another from the one who loves you the most. You fall in love and who you choose is important, but you stay in love when you learn to mutually submit to one another. When you every single day, not because of a big emotional thing that happened early in the relationship, but every single day you decide, every single day you decide, and every single day he or she decides, you know what? Today she's first, today he's first, today she's first, today he's first. Today they're the priority, today they're the priority, today they're the priority, every single day. And when you do, that thing that's so wonderful about meeting and falling in love can be maintained. In fact, I'll just tell you, it can even get better. I tell Sandra all the time, I would marry you again. I would just marry you faster next time. <laughs> and that's like, hey, that's a good one. I'm going to use that. It's not, you know, <laughs> you got to wait a while, you know, but hopefully she's not here. But the, the, the point is, I'm just telling you, I'm telling you, the answer to the question that she asked is yes. It's yes. It's yes. But I'm just telling you, it's not because you chose or picked the right one. It's because once you picked somebody, chose somebody, allowed yourself to fall in love with somebody, you did the right things. And the right thing is you choose every single day to love that person. Love is a verb. You make love a verb. You make love a verb. You make love a verb. And it looks like saying you first, no you first, no you first, no you first, no you first. That is the foundation. And that's a lot different than I need you, baby. And you got what I want, baby. And you got what I need. And I can't live without you. I mean, that's fun. Yes, yeah, that's, that's good for songs and, and movies. And you know, you know why most romantic comedies are so short? Because if they went any longer, it'd be another big problem to resolve. And it would just go on and on. So they got to hurry up and stop the movie while everything's going well. I mean, you do know that, right? I mean, you're, that's certainly not taking your cues from there, right? Falling in love is a great thing. It's easy. Staying in love is a more, it's more of a challenge. But the answer to the question is, yes, you can. Don't you love his teachings? Such a good teacher. Hey, we, uh, next week we're going to get into how do you practically do this? What does it practically look like to make love a verb uh, in your marriage and in your life? We're going to do something we rarely do. We're going to give you some homework this week. And on your way out, you're going to find uh, these cards outside the doors, and we would love for you to pick one up. Th uh, this is not one per couple, okay, guys? This is uh, one for every individual, whether you're married or not, whether you're single, dating, doesn't matter. We'd love for you to pick up this card. On one side of this card, there's a, uh, a series of questions, and this week, we'd love for you to answer these questions. And again, we want you as an individual to answer these, these, these questions, not as a couple. Okay, uh, so take time this week to answer these questions. And the second thing we want you to do this week is there's a passage of Scripture, Philippians 2, 3 through 8 on this card. We want to challenge you to read this passage every day this week, starting today, read it for seven days. And we think that if you'll read this passage all week long and really think about it, meditate on it, spend some time answering these questions, you're going to be really prepared for next week's message that Steve is going to preach. It's a powerful message, and uh, we want you to be as prepared as possible. Hey, just a reminder, if, you were near, if you're new here today, we'd love to meet you. You can uh, meet us right over here to your left. And uh, if you want to talk to someone about your relationship with the Lord, uh, if you want someone to pray with you or pray for you, our prayer team will be here up front. You can just make your way up front. Uh, let me close with us, and uh, we'll get out of here. Let me close in prayer. Father, thank you so much for loving us 
and uh, thanks for such a great message. Lord, would you help our church family to love one another? God, I pray that you would use our time together studying Philippians 2 this week and reflecting on these questions. Would you use this time this week to help the marriages and uh, the relationships and help us as a church family love one another just as you loved us, Jesus? It's in your name we pray. Amen.